and uh, raises their voice as well. Last shout out I'm going to give is to Gable Pines in Vadness Heights in Minnesota. I've been doing a series for them uh, this Friday. Uh, the 26th, I'll be doing a program from 1030 to 1230 there that's free to the public. Um, again, that's Gable Pines of Vadness Heights. Their phone number is 651-829-3137. That's 651-829-3171. And the program this Friday will be Realities of Dementia, uh, Family-Friendly Tools and Tips with uh, some more programs then to follow. Well, let's get into our show today. I am excited to have this couple with us. We have with us today Janet and Ken uh, Eldred. And Janet is a former bookstore executive um, completing her 15th year as library director. And she was diagnosed with dementia in 2012. So welcome, Janet. How are you doing today? Janet, are you with me? Well, hopefully we didn't lose them here. Um, Keith is her husband, and he is a writer, designer, marketing professional, and longtime uh, library volunteer. And he left his career of 29 years um, with the same corporation to work with Janet to raise money for her library. So, Keith, are you there? Uh, I think so. Can you hear me? I could hear you, but I couldn't hear Janet. And so um, is Janet... There was a mic button on the phone that we didn't realize we had to push. Oh, gotcha. Okay, sounds good. Well, I just want to welcome both of you to the show today. I'm excited to have you with us. Thank you. I'm glad to be with you. Wonderful. Yeah, it's a pleasure Thank- to be here. The The weather in Pennsylvania is nice today, too. It's the first time ever, or at least this, <laughs> at least this year. He's okay. We've had a few good days. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. We've had them kind of up and down as well. We had a really nice uh, holiday weekend this last weekend, so we lucked out. Um, well, let's start out with you, Janet. If you can tell us um, a little bit about your diagnosis and your experience with dementia. Well, several years ago, we started noticing that I was I was forgetting important events and upcoming events and I would have to ask Keith for, um, for information. I just didn't know. And uh, then as the years went by, it got worse, and then we realized there was a problem. And um, my, my um, what's the word for doctor, the common? My the specialist or My main doctor. Um, primary care? Primary care doctor. He referred me to a neurologist, and um, if I'm remembering right, that at that point I was diagnosed. And over the years, it's, I'm afraid I've, I've declined. But at this point, I'm still able to work with lots of help from Post-it notes and staff, and my board is um, understanding as well. I, I can jump in a, a little bit about the diagnosis. The the uh, so the Janet psychologist sent us, or I'm sorry, Janet's psychiatrist, because she's had a long time uh, diagnosis of depression. So she's seen a psychiatrist for years. Sent us to a psychologist, who gave her her first 
a cognitive test in 2012, and we knew that she had problems then remembering things and thinking through things, and the, the test confirmed that. It's the kind of test where she has to repeat back lists of words and solve uh, puzzles and connect the dots, things like that, and her performance ended up in a diagnosis of dementia from that. Okay. And it's very common for people with depression um, in their history to not be looked at seriously in terms of, of dementia. They go and they seem to go to the de- depression side um, quickly. I know that I've heard that story from many, many people around the world. And it is a tricky diagnosis because uh, so many of the symptoms are, are common. Um, between the two. Um, Janet, how did you feel when you got the formal diagnosis? How did it hit you? Um, I don't think I really believed it. I think I went the way of depression as well. Like this is something that's happening because of my mood. But as the years went by, I, I got over the depression, but not the memory loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I, I, w- I, I would add that she she had depression and anxiety, and we have seen that her anxiety has lessened for whatever reason. Uh, I think it's because I don't remember things <laughs> that happened. Well, and that could easily be. That could easily be, or that you're not you're not feeling as pressured to. Um, fit in or, you know, like with some of the social standards and stuff, some people will say after a while that goes by the wayside. And so they don't worry about stuff they used to worry about. Uh, I and agree. It, it, and that, that's a gift, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that's, that's a, a gift in a, in a strange little package there. But, um, yeah, societal standards are so high, and we're all trying to be perfect so often and right. meeting everybody's needs is, uh, it's no wonder, you know, there's so much anxiety and depression in the world because we it, that makes us feel so disconnected. And yes. it's nice when you can be your authentic self um, in the world. I loved that when my mom got to that point because she was just um, really such a joy to be around and and taught me to worry about those things less too, that, you know, it really didn't matter in the scheme of things. And, yes, um, last week. I'm sorry. Last oh, oh no, week go ahead. I, uh, last week I had a um, speak in front of an audience, and I was quite comfortable now. Ten years ago, I don't think I could have done it. I would have been too anxious and upset, but I got a nice applause. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. What Can I ask what you were speaking on? I had one or was given an award it's called wise women of blair county and i was actually recognized um for the work i do wonderful i, I want to add to that i want to add to that because around here it's it's the most prestigious award in the county um, janet joins state senate women who are state senators and judges and doctors and teachers and uh, and and young young women too who are up and coming professionals or students or people who contribute to nonprofits and because Janet has had exemplary performed exemplary service 
uh, for the library. She received this award, and there were there were six other women women who spoke, and Janet was the the last to speak. And our perception, at least, was that she got the longest ovation, and it was a very special night for us. And it, it was in part because of Janet's willingness to speak about her disability, too. In addition to her longtime service, she also serves this role as as a picture of a woman working with disability, and that touched a lot of people that evening. Oh, wonderful. That's that's absolutely fantastic. Well, let's talk um, a little bit about, uh, and again, I'm going to throw this to Janet first. Janet, what is your hope for the library, you know, with your project? I know you've got years into the library. Um, maybe start with... Um, how you feel the library helps community first, because I think a lot of people don't even know what all you guys do. Approximately four years ago, we did take on a project to build a new library in our community, about twice the size of the previous. Um, lots of lots of special things, like a beautiful children's room and a young adult room, and the local American Legion sponsored what is really like a living room um, type place. And then we have a community room and a kitchen. It's just a beautiful library. I appreciated the previous library, but this one gives so much more to the community and it is appreciated by the community. Um, I would like to leave the library. I would like to, first of all, I'd like to stay until I reach um, reach my retirement age of 66 and when I leave I'd like to have the library even better than it is now and money in the bank like our goal is to have a million dollars in um, in the savings account as a safety net for the library oh nice um Keith, why don't you go ahead and, and jump in a little bit and talk about your your project, This is Red, and how you hope that project can help the library. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to talking about that. I want to I want to correct uh, one number that Janet gave. This might be one example of how her memory uh, is a little faulty sometimes. She said that the project began four years ago but it actually began 15 years ago when she became the librarian, and that's when the capital campaign for the new library started. And then after 11 years of work, uh, with Janet being the day-to-day -day manager of the project, uh, the new library opened just over four years ago. This summer it will be five years. Is that coming back to you now, dear? Yes, yes. And... Um, and the, as she mentioned, the, the new library is a lot a lot bigger, and so there's a lot more computer stations for people. The, the children's room is – the children's room in the old library was a, a nice, safe space, but it was, it was in the basement. It didn't have windows. Uh, the new children's uh, room is probably three or four times as big. There's nice uh, big windows in there. There's a community room with a very nice kitchen. There was nothing like this in the previous library, and the the library is is used 
Uh, I was going to say round the clock. It's not open round the clock, but it's open seven days a week, and there's always programs coming in here, and so it's a it's a vital service in the community. Now, as far as the the project, um, it's very meaningful to us uh, because Janet and I are both longtime bookworms, and we met uh, because we're bookworms. We were both working in Walden Books. Lori, you would remember Walden Books. Well, the younger mm -hmm. people wouldn't. It's not in business anymore, but that was probably the leading bookstore at the at the time. I, mean, I guess Barnes & Noble was probably around, but Walden Books was 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 a, a really big chain. And Janet and I met when we were both working in Walden Books, and I eventually moved to where she was uh, because she she was we were both working up in New England, but she was originally from Pennsylvania, so I I moved down here to be closer to her. I got the job with the corporation that you talked about, and we we have three sons, and we've had a great life. And when Janet started to have these problems, we had to start thinking about, well, our bucket list sooner than we might otherwise have because as you know with dementia you you don't know what what turn it's going to take or or how much time you have and so it took a number of years for us to figure out what we wanted to do and we we settled on a project that I think of it now as we're helping each other make our dreams come true her dream is to do as much as possible for the library and that's very important for me too and I've been a writer for a long time, but I've never had a wide readership. I'd like to have a book of mine have a lot of readers. And so we settled on a project that where we're aiming to raise that million dollars for the library that Janet mentioned. And the key way that we want to do it is that we recognize that it's a moonshot. It's a very high goal, and that is to, to raise the majority of the money from my debut novel, which I, I started writing about five years ago. So it, it ties in a lot of things for us. Oh, interesting. So um, it, now is the, is the novel out yet, or where are you at in the process? With the, the, manuscript is, the manuscript is done. I originally drafted it in 2014, and I drafted it, I think, in a unique way. I had formed a habit of doing my writing, my drafting, on Facebook. And so my Facebook friends would see my posts, and they would see the new section that I wrote every day. And so I wrote the novel over 160 consecutive days, and I ended up with a very long novel, hundred and I think it was about 120,000 words at the time. And that's, I think that's about as long as To Kill a Mockingbird, just to make a comparison. So it's a, it was a very long novel. And like a lot of writers, I set it aside for a couple years so that I could, I could come back to it fresh. And then last year, I again revised it on Facebook in view of all my friends. And now the manuscript is complete, and I have submitted a proposal or two to literary agents but that is very hard to it's very hard to find an agent and a publisher so i think i'm probably going to self-publish it 
So the manuscript is done, but the book is not out yet. But I'm feeling more and more like it's going to be available by fall, self-published. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. Going I remember. Through... I'm sorry. Oh, oh. I remember it as a very good book. I can't remember the details, and that happens with just about every book that I read. I read all the time, but I don't, after the fact, remember what I read, even those books that I really enjoy. Okay. That, that's a that's a really good illustration of of what Janet's memory is like because she's actually read the book three times. She read it when I first wrote it on Facebook a day at a time, and then she read it after it was done, and then she read it again last year. Excuse me, four times. She read it through the year again last year, and then she read it again after the manuscript was done. So she's read it four times but she really could tell you only very little about the novel. And I certainly don't hold it against her. I understand that that's, that's what her memory is like. I love the book. I just don't remember the details. <laughs> okay. Well, that's good. Uh, there's a, um, I don't know if you're familiar with this, Janet, or not. There's a company called Marlena Books, and they, okay. ha- they have designed books specifically for people with memory loss and um, different types of dementia where they just have like one paragraph on a page and then they have a picture on the other page so that you can, you can stay on track because mm-hmm. they've talked, they've interviewed with many people and said it's very hard for them to read a book because they get lost it just mm-hmm. within a page sometimes, um, let alone a whole book. And so well, they, I, do not, I do not get lost when I'm reading the book. It's, I don't remember it when I'm done. Okay, because I was going to ask you if you reread, because a lot of people will kind of reread the same thing over and over, but you seem to have the flow down and just not not remember the context. Okay, wonderful. Um, can you are you willing to share um, Keith at all about what what the book is about called This Is Red? Oh, your project, This is Red? Okay. Well, yeah, the project is called This is Red, and that that comes from a few different places. Um, Our last name includes the word red. It's E-L-D-R-E-D, and whenever I tell people how to spell it, um, that's what I say. I say E-L-D and then red like the color. So red has been important to me for a long time, so it's been floating in my brain for a long time. And so that's one thing. And then when I when I started to draft it, um, there were different aspects of red that just found their way into the story. And the the book ended up with an odd title, which is actually rubrum. It's R U B R U M, but that means red in Latin. And rubrum is the name of a scarlet convertible that's in the story, but let, let me back up. The, the story is about a very severely isolated mechanic, and his name is Evan Easter. And we learn through the course of the novel, when, when we meet him, he's, he's um, about age 35, and he's working alone in his garage, and he, he does transmission work because that's the kind of transmission rebuilding because that's the kind of work that you can do alone as a mechanic. And then through a lot of flashbacks, we start to understand why he has isolated 
himself so much. And it ties back to a terrible childhood that he had that included abuse from his father, whose name is Jake, and who was also a mechanic and gave him his trade. And he's there are a lot of losses in his life. He He thinks a lot about the people that he misses and um, they include his mother and a girl from his school days named Anna, who was very, very special to him. And he thinks about his sister, Bree, his stepsister, Bree, who tried to protect him from his father. And there was an incident in his teen years that involved this scarlet convertible rubrum that is very hard for him to live with. And so he spends decades um, trying to get over the hardship related to rubrum. And when, when we learn all of that and then meet him in his garage, he has sort of a supernatural experience where a ghost visits him and, and draws him out so that he needs to rescue a uh, person that he's never met. And so we have this person who is a very isolated person who, who tries to stay away from everyone, and he's got to, he's forced with the question, am I going to come out of, uh, go out of my safe cocoon, this garage here, and rescue this person who is very, very important to me, even though I've never met her. And I know that might, Oops, I, I said her. Even though I've never met the person, um, that person is very important to him. So he ends up with that dilemma. Am I going to say, am I going to stay isolated or am I going to emerge and do the right thing? Okay. Um, well, it sounds like an, an interesting novel uh, to read with a lot of twists and turns. Um, within it. Um, I I have a question for you in terms of, you know, raising the funds. I I think it's, it's wonderful that you want to raise the funds for the, for the library because you've put so much of your, your heart and soul into it. What types of things um, can you tell us that the library, um, you know, if they, if you get this million dollars or whatever amount you end up um, being able to, to give them, what types of, of services do you want uh, to be able to help in your community? What I ha- what I have in mind is money set aside so that for the next 20 years it, there will not be a problem with money, that we'll be able to afford the things that the library needs, but also some security for the library. Um, there's always so much to provide. We um, have um, the latest technology and computers. We have um, a movie theater, you might call it. Um, The kitchen, everything over time will need updated. We have a beautiful um, patio and the amphitheater I didn't mention before. So there's so many things that we would like to do and continue to do for the library. Okay. So the the way that I the thing that I would add is that this this may seem odd because the library is only 5 years old, but the previous library had the lifetime of the building was 35 years. 
And I believe that when we were in the middle of the capital campaign, um, we heard figures such as 20 years is the expected lifetime of a, of a public institution, of a facility for a, a public institution, such as a, a church or a library or a, or a school. And so even five years in, you have to start thinking about either rebuilding or relocating. And, and you know, it's the kind of thing that after you go through a long, arduous capital campaign, you don't want to think about for decades. But unless you start thinking about it very early and start building a cushion for either maintenance or rebuilding or relocating, the library could be endangered. So that's that's one of the things that we've talked about too, as well as what Janet said, there's operations, there's upgrading technologies. Technology changes so much, you, you just don't know what expenses you're gonna have and, and the current technology, we might be moving it all out. The library might be moving it all out within five or 10 years and then how are you gonna get the new stuff? Now, one mistake looking back that we made when I saw on the plans the amount of parking that, that we were going to have, I was thrilled because it was so much more than we had before. But often our parking is so full that it goes up um, the road in places that there really aren't parking places. So looking forward, we, we really need to develop more parking. And we do have a nice location next to the high school, and the high school has um, agreed to allow us to park in a parking lot that's not too far from the library, and we have a path, a stone path going from there to the library. But people don't realize that, and so they just kind of squeeze in our parking. We're so busy, and that's, that's why parking is an issue. Well, that, that speaks highly of, of the services that you're providing to your community. And, and you're right, parking um, can definitely be a big issue for, for many. And land is expensive. And, and like Keith had mentioned, with technology, too, is constantly changing. And that is very pricey. Not only is the, the software changing, but the hardware <laughs> It has to get yeah. being replaced as well, and I think you're wise to look big picture so that that cush is there because there's nothing worse than than scrambling when you're you know in crisis you know trying to raise funds and and so forth there. Um, can I ask? Does your library do any programming as far as um, dementia goals with um, memory cafes or? having an area for dementia, I know more and more are starting to do that. And I'm just, I'm always curious when I talk with people, if there's, uh, their libraries have incorporated that. We have not yet done that. I've only really come out, so to speak, probably within the last year. Um, that mm -hmm. I have other issues like seizures and that are relate, maybe related to that. But, um, no, we have not done that yet. It's certainly something I can see in the future. Yeah, well, if you're if you're ever interested, our um, librarian here in Ramsey County in Minnesota, Carol Jackson, started um, what she calls the Memory Minders Kit, and those have become very popular. And they are kits where they actually got um, some of the community. Uh, 
communities to sponsor, you know, paying for these kits, but they're kind of a big plastic kit and they hold um, typically a, a music theme. There's usually an educational piece and then there's an interaction piece. And, and then they have, um, they have now um, formulated a separate section just for Alzheimer's and dementia and caregiving because the books are, are in such high demand. And so they have their own separate section. But the, the kits cover early, mid, and late stages. Now they're doing one for children to educate younger kids. Um, and then also a Louis body, and I think they're looking at a frontal temporal lobe too. And a lot of the libraries around the country are starting to institute these because their people are finding the need for them as well. Um, our library also does uh, works with our grassroots group, and so they allow us to host our our programming and stuff there. And so that's been a really nice collaboration. So there's there's so many things that the libraries do already to give back, but um, the the whole dementia piece seems to be growing because a lot of their population is growing with it as well. So I just thought I'd mention that since since you're so active. Um, again, if you ever want a resource, just let me let me know on that. Um, so well, I will so, definitely follow up with that. It's a it's a wonderful plan. We'll. We'll follow up and get some information and start that. There's a okay. there's a lot of there's a lot of retirement homes around here, and the library does a good amount of outreach already. I think a lot of that is for schools more so for younger uh, residents. But this this is a, what you're telling us as this as well as about the Marlena books is these are good examples of what we look for from this project because when when you when you establish a huge goal like raising a million dollars with a book and you've never done that before and you you start sharing your experience with people you end up forming these connections with people like yourself and learning about things that you never would have entertained before that raise the possibility of new things for the library to get into. So we've been getting a lot of those kinds of things from this project where um, we we have new kinds of learning. One One that happened just yesterday is as we tried to keep a very visible we're we're starting to learn how to keep a very visible social media presence and our social media is in all the places Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube it's at this is dot red all spelled out including the dot so this is dot and then red so at this is dot red one of the things that we do every weekday is is produce a graphic that it looks like a meme, the kind of things that you see all over the internet with with cats and kids and so on, where there's a graphic and there's words on top of it. And we post one every weekday that is called the Daily Red. And we have fun with the word red by using it as an acronym. And so, for example, um, we, we, well, this is next week. I'll be posting one that is a picture of a raccoon 
who is sort of climbing down a crack in a stone wall. And the title on that one is Raccoon Easing Down, R-E-D. And we learned about an acronym yesterday that apparently has been used for many years for related to the military that is remember everyone deployed. It's another meaningful acronym related to RED, Remember Everyone Deployed. And there are people across the country and in other countries too, Canada also, where people wear RED on Fridays uh, in honor of troops that are deployed. And so that's that's just an example of how we we set this big goal we start learning we started learning things from from day 1 we launched uh in in January and we've just learned so much i've learned about building a website we've learned about producing videos janet and i had never been in any videos together and we've produced a lot of videos now and um so it's just the learning just keeps it just keeps on coming yeah, it is. It is amazing once you jump in, and the connections that you make is very. Uh, it's very fun and enlightening. There's always something to learn in this process. Uh, I, I agree with you. Um, well, I think this just sounds like a, a, a wonderful project that you guys um, have, and how you're doing it together um, is fabulous. Too. A lot of times. Um, couples kind of split up in terms of what is their purpose and, and their focus um, as, as life goes on. And you guys, it, it seems like it's just a really, a very clear street and path that you're walking right now and um, helping others uh, in terms of raising awareness and, and doing good and, and, you know, following your own passion of, of books and literacy um, I think is, is fabulous. So um, is there anything else that you would, you would like to add Janet that we haven't talked about? I feel more comfortable um, with a dimension dementia since people now know about it. Um, And they've been more accepting than I expected. You know, you think um, the board, if they know, that I, I can't remember things, are they going to be supportive? Um, and they've been very, very supportive, and the staff has been very supportive. I'll ask, for instance, I didn't know how to work the phone as far as the speaker and the mic, and so Kim, one of the employees, came in and showed me how to do that. I couldn't She means her. She means right before this recording, Lori, that we were – I wasn't familiar with how to use her phone, and neither was she, Janet. <laughs> Even though uh-huh. I've been using it for several years. But yep. people have been very supportive. For instance, the Wise Women Award last last week, I was I was just awed that my community would, would give that to me. Well, you and made the, a big impact she, on them, apparently. Yeah, she she had, I think, dozens of people come up and say that they were choked up and they were they were surprised at her courage and I have not been surprised at her courage I have been surprised at how comfortable and charming she is in the videos because Janet is a a, a shy librarian 
And so that's the woman that I knew, but it's like she lights up uh, and becomes a comedian when the camera is on. And we have gotten <laughs> so many, <laughs> so many nice uh, comments on the videos. And it honestly, it, it took me back to, well, our, it'll be our 29th anniversary in September. And it took me back to when I initially met her. I can, it just gave me a fresh view of that younger, somewhat younger woman who I just fell in love with initially, such spirit. Um, we, we, you know, we, this, it's, it's a, I guess you would say it's an unfortunate situation to be in, uh, to be facing dementia, but things happen to everybody in life and you have to look for the positives and we've found enough positives that I, I, I trust that your audience will understand this. I'm grateful that we have the opportunity to make the most of this situation. I, I wrote an article that is on our, our Facebook page, Facebook at this is dot red and it's called 13 Reasons Why I'm Grateful for My Wife's Dementia. And we've had many hundreds of reads of that, uh, a couple hundred comments, and it, I think it's really opened the eyes of a lot of people. Oh, yeah. The, the, the honest, authentic stories, um, I, I think people just clamor towards them. You know, it's not a sales pitch. It's it's real everyday stuff that that is occurring and and I think it takes out some of the scary when people don't feel so isolated and alone they know others are walking their path where maybe they can't talk about it to their family or friends maybe they don't understand or aren't accepting or you know they're embarrassed you know to let anybody know or fearful for whatever reason to let anybody know Um, those are really common and so Social media has been a big gift, I think, in terms of allowing people to connect who who never would have um, ever crossed paths if not for the internet. And um, and video is a great way to be able to to do that too. With that, one one of our most popular videos was Janet and I revisiting a site that she caught glimpse of a of a local monument that's high on a hill, and she had a dim recollection of being up there one day with somebody but she couldn't remember much about it and I pulled over and we filmed the video and we talked about the fact that I was the person that she was with on the top of that hill and the things the things that excuse me the things that we said when we were looking out from that high height and I think Mm -hmm. that you know people could see us having fun together and um you know, one of the one of the beauties that you can find if you look for it in this situation is the number of firsts <clears throat> that Janet has. She gets to read my book again for the first time or see a movie again for the first time or hear a story that she actually lived through as if it happened to somebody else and feel very grateful about it. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of there actually are a lot of beautiful moments. Yeah, yeah. You just you have to look for them. You have to look for different things than what you looked at um, 
you know, prior uh, is is what I always tell people, and it's the it's the smaller things that melt your heart and stay with you versus some of those big flashy things we're all looking for all the time. Yeah. In the in this fast paced world, it's uh, it's very simple: the glint in the eye, the smile, the giggle, the touch, um, just sitting on the couch next to each other without saying a word um, can be one of the most content, loving places to be where you just feel safe and, you know, you don't have to explain yourself. And, and there's, um, those are really big gifts. And I think yeah, with I'm sorry. people, with people being so busy, they forget to sit still and just appreciate who's with them and, and what I they get out like of that relationship. Add- Mm-hmm. I'd like to add what, what to what Keith said. Um, before I had my diagnosis, there were times he'd get very frustrated with me because it was like I wasn't paying attention or, you know, making taking note of important things. But once the demen- dementia, um, what's the word, dementia? Arrived? Not arrived, was diagnosed. Um, he, I think he realized that it's not that I'm just ignoring things, that there's a, a reason behind it, and he's been very supportive and loving, and I just appreciate him. Mm, that's Thank nice. you, dear. Um, Keith, is there anything else that you would like to uh, to add before we wrap up? Uh, two things. One is <clears throat> I... I was I originally proposed this project but as I as it has gone along I've come to recognize that it's Janet's project because if she were not willing to be the example that she is and be visible um there just wouldn't be the heart or the meaning or the importance to this project and so in my mind, it it is her project. I work for her, um, and it's my great honor. And the the second thing I'd like to say is is ask people to visit our website, which ties in with the project. Uh, yeah, the project name. So the project name is this is red. Those three words, and the web address is this is dot red so instead of dot com dot red is the domain name and so it it might sound odd to people but if you go to www this is dot red if you type that out you'll go to the website you'll see pictures of janet and me and on the home page there's a big button to pre-order the book so we can put you on a list for whenever it becomes available and again it it should be by this fall and we're we're aiming for a million dollars we're aiming for this book to eventually appear in every public library in the country and we'd even like to see a movie about it someday and again we recognize our movie made from it someday and we recognize that these are um moonshot goals but that's what makes all of this so exciting Mhm. Yeah, I I agree. It's uh and you never know where life is going to take you. So it's it's important to live your dream and 
you know, put it out there for the world and see where it takes you. Just absolutely never know. Uh, Janet, anything you would like to add? Um, no, I can't think of anything in addition. Okay. Well, wonderful. Well, I appreciate you joining us again today. We were so lucky to have Janet and Keith uh, Eldred with us, and they um, are on a passion mission to raise a million dollars for their library. Janet is living with uh, dementia, and Keith is her husband and and care partner, and they're doing this together. And I just admire, I admire their tenacity in terms of moving forward. Again, you can find more out about them by going to their website, This Is Red, or on social media, um, This Is Dot Red, and you will find more about them there. Uh, in wrapping up, I want to give a shout out to the Memory Cafes. We're over 600 in the U.S. and If you are looking for one or if you have a memory cafe that you want to get into the directory, just go to memorycafedirectory.com and uh, they will be glad to get you uh, added to the list there. Also want to give a shout out to Maria Schreiber and all her wonderful work with the Alzheimer's, uh, women's Alzheimer's movement. She's just doing amazing, amazing things there and she'll be uh, working on the Move for the Minds programs uh, this year, a little bit later, where they have a panel of experts and some exercise and nutritional things that they put together. That's wonderful. And let's see, ADA or, or ADI, Alzheimer's Disease International, is doing a large survey right now. You can go to our website, alzheimerspeaks.com. And you will find that on our homepage to take. Uh, it'll take you oh, probably 15 minutes or so. But they want to know what your thoughts are about dementia. They want to know if you are living with it, if you are caring for somebody. Uh, maybe you're a medical professional. Uh, but they're trying to figure out how to overcome st- uh, stigmas and find out what resources and things that people need. And last, I want to give a shout out to the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation. They are good friends of Alzheimer's Speaks, and they just do a fabulous job, especially when it comes to holistic offerings. So they uh, do a lot of uh, training regarding um, meditation, exercise, and um, diet there. So until next week, uh, have a wonderful, wonderful time and we will talk soon. Bye now. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families, too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.